Welcome back to HodgePodge this Friday morning, continuing our special Earth Week here on HodgePodge with Tara Getter from Pelican River Watershed District, joining me via Zoom this morning. Good morning, Tara. Whoop, we got to unmute you this morning. <laughs> One of our great Zoom uh, things you got to do. So good morning, Tara. Welcome to HodgePodge. Good morning, Carol. Uh, well, uh, you, of course, work with Pelican River Watershed District Executive Director and work with the water quality of our area lakes and streams and rivers. And you've also been working with aquatic invasive species over the year. Before we get to our main topic about climate change and impacts on lakes, I just, you know, listening to all this COVID-19 uh, stuff, uh, updates from the governor and the University of Minnesota and Mayo Clinic um, and dealing with a lot of scientists. Uh, you know, it's amazing because we have had to deal with, I mean, I mean not to liken it, well, I am liking it to uh, uh, invasive species, but I think the scientists, you know, obviously if you stick to science and you study and you, you know, really work hard uh, and uh, get the data, collect the data, um, things can happen. Plans get in. Plans become uh, in place, and things uh, move. And soon, you're managing uh, invasive species like we've done. Uh, you're you're managing things, and pretty soon, you know, you might find something that will help eradicate or uh, develop more of a management plan. And that's what we've done with the invasive species. And I know that you are very instrumental in helping uh, with the aquatic invasive species, and, and namely the. Uh, uh, a flowering rush and zebra mussels. I know that you've sat in on a number of those committees and were really uh, a force behind uh, some of this work with invasive species. But uh, congratulations. And, and, and science always does prove uh, best <laughs> practices. You know, it's funny you were talking about this because I used the same analogy when I was talking with uh, a person this last week about our work on flowering rush and having an analogy with the COVID-19 virus that we were, you know, in the past performing actions that were actually helping the spread of flowering rush. And, you know, nowadays, if they don't know enough about that virus, they can't contain that spread. And it's the same thing. And as well as, you know, it takes time. We had to do work in the laboratories and then we had to move it out into the in-lake treatments and the one treatment that we thought was going to be the better treatment ended up not being the better treatment in the field. So same thing with the COVID-19 virus, you know, some things that may say may look promising in the lab may not be promising out in, in, the, in the public setting. So I really feel for the scientists and the doctors that are going through this because there was even back with the flying rush, there was a lot of public pressure. We need to do something now. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we felt that pressure, but it, it took us several years to get to that point. So it, it is frustrating and we are definitely in different times here, but um, I'm just thankful that we are in the state of Minnesota because we have so many fantastic resources between Mayo Clinic and the University of Minnesota and, and uh, you know, top 10 Fortune 500 companies that are helping out. So it's really, everybody's been pulling together to help. Mm -hmm. It's been and amazing. Well, and as you've learned too, it takes funding. Uh, you know, we get we get from a, from one of our taxes here in town. We get uh, a little a bit of money towards uh, containing flowering rush and treating flowering rush, and that uh, you know that that helped the process along too. Is the funding for it all too? Absolutely, and the, the public public understanding and willingness to help. I mean, I think that was key also. That everybody said we need we're in this together. We need to work together to figure out how we can 
make this happen. So, and I think Minnesota's leading the country again on this whole COVID-19 effort again. So I think that just speaks to us as a state and as well as our community. All right. Tara Getter from Pelican River Watershed District, Executive Director uh, for Pelican River Watershed District, uh, our grand finale guest on uh, Earth Week this week. And I, I wanted you to talk uh, a little bit more about climate change and the impacts on lakes, because you are out there uh, front and center uh, studying the lake, the lake quality and, uh, you know, measuring uh, the contaminants in the lakes and uh, working on management plans. Uh, so let's talk talk more about that and maybe even more specifically, you know, what is the projected future climate changes for our area first off? Okay. So in our area here, what we're going to be seeing is more increased wintertime temperatures. The summertime temperatures are not projected to rise as drastically as we've seen in other parts of the country, but what we're seeing, uh, the projections are for warmer winters. And so that has consequences um, in, a, in a little different manner where the, uh, we have uh, the ice may be uh, less duration, so the winters are, are maybe shorter, or the ice may not be as safe. Uh, for instance, this year, uh, we almost didn't have some uh, ice fishing tournaments because of the, the flooding on the ice, and the ice wasn't all that great because of the, the increased snow cover and so forth. Um, the other thing is that with um, less duration of, of winter time, we're going to see uh, potentially increased in aquatic vegetation in the lakes because the growing season is longer. And especially for our invasive species, curly leaf pondweed, um, that could impact its uh, growth, uh, increasing its growth. So that's something that we're also monitoring uh, with that as well. Uh, the other thing that we are looking at is the uh, increased uh, precipitation, the larger storm events. So as uh, we look even back in our weather records in the last 20 years, we're seeing instead of the half inch rainfalls, we're seeing those back to back one inch or two inch rainfall events. And when that happens, we're seeing a, a, a flush of nutrients coming in the lake, whether it is from, um, you know, the runoff uh, carrying sediment loads or the, the chemicals that even, you know, Marsha was talking about um, previously with fertilizers and so forth. So those are the type of things that we're, we're, we're seeing. Um, also fluctuating water levels. So if you have increased, decreased precipitation, it affects water levels. Um, for instance, um, last fall, we went into higher, we had a lot of precipitation. We, our lake levels are anywhere between six and eight inches above the ordinary high water level. Now I'm really thankful that we had a, a, a drier spring now because hopefully that will mitigate these higher water levels as you know the lakes were frozen up so that we're not carrying in extra water because what happens is that when that ice um, comes off and we have a lot of precip precipitation in the spring we're going to have you know water and storm events and the water's lapping up on the shorelines and that's where we see a lot of erosion occurring and that's something that we want to prevent from happening and so I'll talk about some of the things that people can do to prevent that action, but that's just the climate changes that we're, we are actually seeing here. Um, as well as how does that say, oh, well, okay, so we get some more rain and so forth, but it actually it affects our infrastructure. For instance, here in, in within the city or on the, our townships and county roads, when you have uh, high precipitation events and 
Sometimes those road culverts aren't sized appropriately to handle these higher precipitation events. So it increases your uh, costs for repairing culverts, uh, roads, um, flooding and so forth. So that's the type of things that it can also affect that people don't always are cognizant of. All right, uh, we're on the line today with uh, Tara Getter from Pelican River Watershed District talking about climate change and impacting uh, lakes and uh, our stream systems and some of the things that uh, we will be able, what we can do now. Um, but, you know, and as you talked about this, a lot of this does affect us um in our wallets eventually uh, because we have to do things to uh, mitigate uh, some of these issues. Um, but um, also people have to repair their shorelines and, uh, you know, need to uh, f- fix things that, you know, maybe it destroys a dock or, or whatever um, uh, your property. Uh, but let's talk a little bit more about um, the, the, maybe the, uh, positive and negative impacts on lakes and their ecosystems uh, with the uh, duration of winter ice. Yeah, so if we have a shorter um, winter, there's probably less chance of our more shallower lakes freezing out and having fish kills. So that may be one of the, the silver linings here with a warmer winter. Um, the negative parts of the, the uh, with, with the winter time and affecting the ecology is again, um, could be increasing uh, like the curly leaf pondweed, which grows uh, during the winter time. And that's something that, um, that I can see a negative impact with, um, as well as uh, the changing temperatures. Uh, what we're seeing, um, I hear from DNR fisheries is that it most likely will affect our walleye population. And, you know, if you notice that our, our agencies are, are gearing up more for you're, you're looking at more talk about muskies and sturgeon seasons and uh, uh, smallmouth or largemouth bass. And I, I think that the walleyes are really gonna suffer. Um, we'll, we'll see here, but that's kind of what we hear in the scientific area. So, you know, it's a little sad about that, but, you know, hopefully we can, um, this, what's been interesting with this COVID-19 is that because people haven't been driving their cars and doing other things here. It has, they're saying, oh, we don't have smog today. Imagine that, uh, the, the air is more breathable and so forth. So that really tells us our actions are having impact on, on our climate. And, and maybe um, this will spur some more economic growth in uh, establishing more eco-friendly technologies with our cars and other types of equipment. So. You know, stay tuned on that one. Maybe the next decade or so we'll be talking about the walleyes are still here. All right. Uh, Tara Getter from Pelican River Watershed District. We have a few minutes left here, and I just wanted you to uh, maybe leave on a note about what we can. How do we do? How do we take action? Uh, what can we do today uh, maybe to help mitigate some of these issues that have come up? Right. I think one of the things as, you know, our... Uh, we are a governmental entity, the Pelican River Watershed District, and it's, you know, our board of managers, they are appointed by the Becker County commissioners. And, you know, people who are policymakers, whether it's on the federal, state, or local levels, um, who have, you know, visions and, you know, they're the ones allocating the money uh, for programs and setting policies and so forth. And, you know, here, fortunately, you know, our area, we've been very proactive with our 
you know, working with the city, uh, the county and soil and water conservation district and the watershed district here on looking at our, for instance, our shoreland ordinances, you know, Becker County and the city of Troy Lakes have higher standards than the statewide standards because they believe in the, the you know, the water quality aspects, you know, so policy, policy. Um, so look at your candidates when you're voting and see who, you know, if you believe in uh, wanting to make some changes with, with um, having to do with climate change and promoting, uh, you know, eco-friendly um, activities, that's something that you should be looking at. So that's one thing to look at. Um, another thing is, you know, uh, Marcia was on, uh, she's our weed inspector, but she also helps, uh, I think, uh, Logan Rydell at Soil and Water. Um, we as agencies promote planting something, you know, plant some trees, shrubs, grasses along your shorelines and or in your yards. Um, the pollinators are, are something that it, uh, we are stressing with people. If they can help the pollinators, please help. And uh, also for us, planting a tree or two along the shoreline is important just to hold those shorelines in place where we are not, we're not promoting using a lot of rock along the shoreline, only using it sparingly where possible, but more uh, plantings, rain gardens, uh, rain barrels, things like that, keeping the water as close to the ground where it falls as possible. Simple, um, our watershed district has cost share programs for installing rain gardens. It doesn't have to be in the shoreline district, it can be anywhere for homes and businesses and so forth. So give us a call on that. We also have cost share programs for shoreline plantings. And uh, I think those are some of the main things that a person can do. All right. Very good. Uh, it's always good to, we have some time to take action now. That's the good thing about this too, is that uh, that rain garden that you've been wanting to do, now you have the time to do it. <laughs> so, And it can also help um, the, the economy here because you can start supporting our, our local, our greenhouses. Um, who, who uh, fortunately um, are, are will be open. And I think that'll provide a great opportunity for you to help the economy here and get out and, and buy some plants from our local greenhouses. And, uh, and also I think it'll feel good psychologically too after you're done doing that. <laughs> get your hands dirty. All right, uh, Tara Getter, I appreciate you coming on and uh, helping us to wrap up Earth Week and uh, some great information and uh, great work being done in our community uh, through your agency. Uh, so thank you so much uh, for visiting with us today. Thank you and everybody have a great Earth Week week. <laughs> All right. Take care. And that is going to wrap up HodgePodge for today, wrapping up Earth Week today and uh, tomorrow or on Monday. Actually, we get a weekend in here. All the days seem to blend together. But on Monday, we'll be talking to a grief specialist from Hospice of the Red River Valley. will join me uh, via Zoom on Monday's HodgePodge. Uh, have a great weekend and uh, stay well. I'm Carol McCarthy, KDLM. News is up next.